And we're here with another episode of Conversations and Connections, the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator with the agency. Glad you could join us today. We're in the month of June. And uh, June, uh, if you do not know, is Pride Month, and it's a day to uh, to recognize uh, the LGBTQ uh, community and to um, uh, to just to, to recognize it and uh, and recognize the folks in the community and to uh, recognize issues and and things like that that. Uh, that that group faces, and so what I wanted to do, I wanted to ask uh, our uh, one of our counselors, and I have Shelby Brown uh, with me today. She is a counselor here at the Family Crisis Center. Thank you for being such a good sport, Shelby. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here, Stuart. <laughs> Been after Shelby for a while to uh, to be on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and and so um, so uh, Shelby, you're a licensed professional counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess first of all, uh, before we kind of dive into the topic of mm-hmm. uh, of Pride Month, and re- really what I was wanted to talk about is uh, the issues that the LGBTQ community faces when it comes to relationship violence, uh, domestic violence, and things like that. Because I think a lot of times, um, and and I'm probably just as guilty of it. You really don't think about that particular community mm-hmm. and how um, interpersonal violence really. Uh, Effect, affects that community. Before we get into that, um, tell me just a little bit about what what do you do here at the Family Crisis Center? You're a counselor, mm-hmm. but uh, what is, I guess, a day-to-day, day-to-day life uh, for you here at the Family Crisis? Yeah, so like, like you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor associate, so I'm still in training. Um, well, at least supervision getting my license in okay. those hours. So mainly day-to-day, I see clients every day. Um, So I see survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault. I see from ages six and up. Um, And I provide therapy. So I do a specific kind of therapy. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy, which basically means how you think affects how you feel, affects how you behave. Yeah, so a lot of times I work with um, these survivors on their trauma and kind of unraveling the trauma and... um, Helping them to kind okay. of untangle it so they can move on with yeah. their lives and kind of leave it in the past. And in previous conversations mm-hmm. I've had with you, you've also said that you work a lot with kids, right? I do, yeah. yeah. So right now my main client base is kids because of summer, you know. Right. All the moms are bringing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, mainly I work, um, majority of my clients right now are kids. And people don't realize, you know, when they say, oh, kids, well, mm-hmm. you're the women's shelter, you're the family crisis mm-hmm. center. I think I think it's important to know that in a domestic violence situation, although um, let's say the the female partner or, mm-hmm. or spouse may be the the victim or the survivor, it is it affects the children in that mm-hmm. household as well. Even there, they might not be directly mm-hmm. um, abused. Right, right. Absolutely. They usually see things, hear things, yeah. even when parents or guardians try to hide it. Kids can always pick up on energy. Yeah. They can pick up if there's something weird, there's something right, off with right, my mom right. or my dad or other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can always, they're like sponges. They can hear, learn, anything they experience, they can take it inside and yeah. keep it there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, I, I want to talk uh, 
first of all, I, I was trying to kind of think about how to approach this topic mm-hmm. because, again, I think a lot of people, the LGBTQ community, a lot of people, it, for whatever reason, it just doesn't really come to mind. You know, I think a lot of times we'll think of minorities, mm-hmm. we'll think of racial minorities, and maybe the economically disadvantaged and st- particular statistics on how that affects that group mm-hmm. of people, but specifically uh, the LGBTQ population. And uh, in preparing for uh, this episode, and I think you kind of did the same, yeah. I was trying to pull up some, some statistics. And what I was telling Shelby before we started recording is whenever I was trying to look up statistics specifically for uh, the LGBTQ population, mm-hmm. they're kind of hard to find. Yeah, they're really hard to find. Uh, and, and and I don't know what the reason behind that. I, I don't know if is there just not a lot of studies done on how interpersonal violence and relationship mm-hmm. violence affects the LGBT community. So there's just not a lot of info yeah, reported. I mean, that's or... one of the reasons. Another reason is kind of like uh, men survivors of domestic, domestic violence and sexual assault. They don't report a lot. Right. There's a fear of institutions. There's a fear of being judged or outed. Yes. There's a fear that maybe the person I'm going to isn't educated right. on my community and they're not going to know how to take care of me. Yeah. I don't feel safe. Yeah. So there's a lot of under-reporting. Well, and that's mm-hmm. what we talk about in, in prevention work. Well, mm-hmm. in, in your line of work too, just statistics when it comes to male survivors, period, whether yeah. they're uh, a part of the gay community or not, mm-hmm. uh, Men are less likely to report anyway, probably, mm-hmm. because of the embarrassment. And, again, it goes back to my favorite topic, gender socialization. Yes. How, well, you know, I'm a man. I should be able to even right. – I think even if you're a gay man, mm-hmm. I think – you know, and I think it's so important. Hey, you know, just because a man may be gay doesn't make them less masculine necessarily. Right. And they may still – feel like they need to put up that masculine mm-hmm. front mm-hmm. and say, well, I can't report this. I'm a man. You know, yeah. what are people going to think, right? That toxic masculinity. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, so just briefly, and mm-hmm. I don't know, you may want, and feel free, uh, Shelby, to chime in on yeah, this. Uh, just the information that I uh, I was able to pull up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this, and what I got my information from was a website called um, Women's Advocates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, white LGBTQ survivors and bisexual individuals uh, were more likely to experience sexual violence than those who were not white. Mm-hmm. Uh, black and African-American LGBTQ individuals uh, are more likely to experience physical violence uh, than their peers. Uh, 43.8% of lesbian women and 61.1% of bisexual women have experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner as compared to 35% of heterosexual women uh, and 26% of gay men and 37.3% of bisexual men have experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner compared to 29% of heterosexual men. Mm -hmm. And I've heard of this before, that uh, incidents like this of sexual assault and uh, domestic violence may be... I don't know if I'm going to say unusually high, but higher than what people may realize in the LGBTQ LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's what I found uh, researching some statistics, that it's equal to or more likely to happen in uh, LGBTQ plus relationships. 
Is there any theories or ideas why that may be? You know, at first, when you first think of that, I would think, okay, well, it's someone that's not an LGBTQ person mm -hmm. um, targeting mm -hmm. people in that community. But the statistics that I have, these are from intimate partners mm -hmm. that this is happening. So. Right. <clears throat> yeah, there's, I mean, there could be a number of reasons. The information I, I generally found is some of it's a lot of internalized homophobia. Um, so there's a lot of pain and suffering in the LGBTQ plus community um, from being stigmatized, being um, judged yeah. by society as a whole. So sometimes uh, because of those effects, there's a lot of alcoholism, a lot of drug use, um, a lot of anger, a, there's just a lot of suffering in the yeah. community. And so a lot of times they take it out on someone they love the most. And then there's that internalized homophobia, transphobia um, of I'm not okay with myself and I'm not okay with you and I'm going to take it out on you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're going to kind of talk yeah. a little bit about uh, some of that stuff here in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um of course, uh, you know, my next question, I think we've already kind of touched on this. I was going to ask you, do you feel that members of the LGBT community are not recognized mm -hmm. when we think or even acknowledge the issue of domestic violence and sexual assault? Mm -hmm. um, and again, I, this may be more of an opinion than than fact, but why do you think that is? I mean, do you think it's just, why do that, why does that, community may not come to and, and I'll acknowledge like I said mm -hmm. sometimes I don't really think a lot about specifically the LGBTQ community and yeah um, so um, I actually have some stuff on like barriers so why they won't seek services or report right. um so I was talking kind of about societal beliefs um there's kind of a belief that it just doesn't happen in the LGBTQ community, that okay. domestic violence and sexual assault isn't really happening in that community. Um, there's also, I mentioned earlier, lack of training um, in organizations uh, to specifically handle LGBTQ plus community issues. So there's a lack of trust and faith in those organizations of, okay, well, this is happening to me, mm -hmm. but if I go, how am I going to be treated? Right. Am I going to be treated with respect? Are they going to believe me? Or are they going to come down for me for my lifestyle? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fear there. Yeah. Uh, ooh, oh, you're good. I hit you're the good. mic. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then a lot of it is outing yourself, right? Like, yeah. I may not be out to my family and my community. Right. So if I go and report this, there's a chance I could be outed. Sure. Um, and another big one I found... Um, was that it's really just a low level of confidence that any kind of organization or authority or law enforcement will be receptive and helpful. Yeah. Um, there's just a big stigma there, yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, I was, I was going to ask you about, you know, unique, and, and again, I think we we kind of touched on this, but, you know, unique tactics. You know, Ooh, we, yeah. we talk about uh, things that intimate partners do in heterosexual uh, relationships um, uh, to control their partner and, and, you know, the whole power and control thing mm -hmm. and, and things like that. But unique things amongst the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community, what can happen with that? You were talking about being outed. Right. For, outing for example. is a huge one. Yeah. Um, 
Um, another one is isolation. So because I may have come out to my family, I may have been rejected by my family, uh-huh. I only have a small sense of community right now. Like right. I might just have my partner and maybe yeah. a friend or two. So if I lose that, I have nobody. Yeah. So there's a fear of if you leave me, you'll have nobody anyways. Um, you've gotcha. already lost everyone else. Um, there's yeah. also another thing, um, a big issue I think that doesn't get talked about in the LGBTQ community is children. So if you uh, have a partner, you may not be a biological parent. Um, so there's a real threat of if we, if you leave me, I'm going to take our children away from you because you really don't have any biological, you don't have a leg to stand mm-hmm. on in court. Um, right. So that's another tactic. Um, I mentioned kind of small community. So within the LGBTQ community, we are a relatively small community, right? We have kind of had to develop little pockets of safe places within society. So there's a fear that if I leave my, I just you love hitting listen, that microphone. I'm talking with my hand and I'm smacking this microphone. <laughs> but that's good. You're into it. That's awesome. <laughs> but if I leave my partner, I'm gonna. All of the friends that we've made together, my community, maybe I go to a certain uh, gay club. Maybe I go to a certain friend's house to be with all of my Mm -hmm. friends, and I could lose all of my community. That's a big one as well. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Um, How much of a challenge does the – and, and we talked about this beforehand, and you, you kind of said mm-hmm. we, as in the community. You're yes. a member of the LGBTQ am, community. Yes. How much? And and I and I've asked members of this community before in another podcast. It was probably about a year ago when mm-hmm. I was talking with the uh, uh, the LGBTQ caucus there mm-hmm. at, at SFA. But how much of a challenge does the LGBTQ community face in rural East Texas? You know, mm-hmm. it's a challenge doing the job that I do in prevention work sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and the very strong gender stereotypes that mm-hmm. you find in rural, and not just rural East Texas, and I don't mean to pick on East Texas, but in rural communities, mm-hmm. that, that does seem to be a stronger thing that, mm-hmm. that happens. Um but what kind of a challenge is it to be a member of the LGBTQ community in East Texas? Yeah, so it's hard. <laughs> and of course, we're audio only. Shelby yes. just took a very deep breath and like, okay, how are yeah, we going to... I'm going to be honest, it's pretty difficult. <clears throat> I mean, there's just not a lot of, like, if we just look at Nacogdoches, can you think of any, well, you're really in Lufkin, but can yeah. you think of any specific place like that you're like, oh, that's an LGBTQ place? I no, yeah, because there's not, there's right. not like like I said, we kind of had to create, we have to create yeah. our spaces. So um, there's not a lot. If yeah. we don't create them, there's really, and so here, especially kind of in the South and the Bible Belt, there are a lot of kind of expectations and uh, beliefs about our community, yeah. right. and so there can be judgment, bias, prejudice. Um, you know, if you walk out, depending on how you're dressed, how you identify, how you present yourself to the world, you could mm-hmm. face discrimination at any time. Right. Yeah. Does that ever, and you don't have to speak specifically for yourself, mm-hmm. but you may know of other people in the community. Mm-hmm. Is it a, is it so frustrating where people think, well, you know what, I'm just going to move from East Texas and move to a bigger metropolitan area where I will be more accepted? Yeah, I mean, that it is frustrating, but on the flip side, you get it. 
right? Because it's exhausting. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like it's something you think about every day of your life. Well, and, well, and yeah. you brought up a good point. Mm-hmm. I guess let's say, you know, if, if, you're, if you're LGBTQ mm-hmm. and you have known that, you, you look, okay, look, this is where I live. This is what I am. If I come out, mm-hmm. I got to know this is what I'm going to be facing. Right. I got to know this is how mm-hmm. it is if I want to stay here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a fear of I could lose my family, my friends, my community, my job. Yeah. Um, everything. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. So kind of on, on that note also, are there any organizations? I think this is good. Anybody who may be listening, who may be a part of this community, and they don't know where they can go to maybe find a safe, a safe place or a safe space. Uh, are there any organizations here in East Texas uh, for members of the community? Yes. So actually, um, this weekend, uh, Piney Woods Pride is putting on. Now, uh, yeah. Just, just, just a rule of podcasting. <laughs> okay, just okay. Uh, you know, this is this is going to be coming out afterwards. Oh, okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, no, but that's fine. But but this is yeah. in June, so I mean, okay. it, it's it's fine to just say uh, on the 18th. Yeah. We're recording this on Friday, June the 17th. Right, right, right. On Saturday the 18th, there will be a a Pride, Pride event, event. Uh, right. in downtown Nacogdoches mm-hmm. where um, uh, we'll have a table or excuse me we had a table there I guess I should say uh but no I think there's good and I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times that pride on the square event at Mm -hmm. Nacogdoches people wow Nacogdoches is gonna have a pride event wow Mm -hmm. you know yeah so it yeah I was pretty shocked pretty wild (laughs) to me but I'm excited about it but uh I brought it up because Piney Woods uh pride coalition Uh uh-huh um, they're putting it on. And so okay. they're always a good resource here, especially in NAC. Um, at, you mentioned at the school, there's like Pride NAC, um, the caucus. Um, I found a couple more and they're kind of in Tyler. Yeah. So in Tyler, we have, um, the East Texas GCA. So gay straight Alliance Co- coalition. And then we have the Tyler area gays and, uh, we have Tyler P flag. So those are good, but once again, they're in Tyler. Yeah, and that's yeah. Like, and, and not just LGBTQ mm-hmm. stuff, but there's been a lot of things that I'm interested in right. that I said, well, I'm going to see if there's any like-minded people in mm-hmm. East Texas. Well, if they are, they're all in Tyler or Longview. Yeah. It's hard to find, it's hard to find. Uh, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say there are a couple of private practices in the area okay. that specialize in LGBTQ care. Okay. So I will mention that if okay. anyone's looking for that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, what can the community do? And not just the LGBTQ community, but just right. the commu- the East Texas community in general. Uh, what can the community do to become better allies? Yeah, so one thing is just being like a true ally of supporting, right? Listening, supporting your LGBTQ mm-hmm. uh, community members, neighbors, friends, whoever. Um, and being an advocate. So speaking up. In, yeah. in areas um, advocating for, uh, you know, spaces, for safe spaces for LGBTQ plus members, um, organizations, all of the above. Um, I would say if you're able to, oh, a, a good one I like to say it for people is do your homework, right? Like a lot of times people think, well, I'll just go ask someone who's in the community, which is fine, but normally 
it's better if you do your own research, okay. right? <laughs> just kind of, if you have questions, look it up because right. it's not really people's job to educate other people about that stuff. But, you know, especially right. like me, I'm always here if you have questions. <laughs> but just doing homework research, um, really advocating if you can provide resources on social media, anything like that would be great. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about yeah. doing your own homework mm-hmm. and, and things. Because one of my fears, and I think I've even caught myself doing this. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a straight white male. Right. But I, and, and you know me, Shelby, and mm-hmm. I think people who listen to the podcast, my coworkers and my friends know this. Mm-hmm. I'm an advocate and an ally for any, any group that mm-hmm. is underserved or mm-hmm. marginalized. Uh, be it racially or your orientation or anything, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I am there and I'm going to have your back. But what I'm so afraid of is, hey, okay, I just did this. Yeah. I just did the same thing. <laughs> hey, look at me. I'm an ally. Mm-hmm. I'm an ally. Look, like, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's like, hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. I'm an ally. And I think sometimes people say, well, that's great. We'll do something. Yeah. What's, what, how am I trying? I, it's hard for me to try to express what I'm what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and I don't want to say bragging about it, mm-hmm. but calling attention to it right. more so than just doing action. Yeah, kind of be like, I'm so good. I'm an ally. Yeah, Look maybe so. Me. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm trying to okay. say. Okay. You know, instead of just doing actions mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. You know. So what I would say is, it's always good to uplift voices, right? Mm-hmm. So, like for instance, you have a platform. You have a podcast, right. you do prevention training. Yeah. So this is a good opportunity where you're talking to someone mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ community to bring awareness about des- domestic violence and sexual right. assault. So things like that, uplifting sure. voices, especially if you have a platform yeah. or social media, any kind of following where you can advocate and let somebody kind of take it over so that their voice can be heard. Very good. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, before we wrap things up, I always always like just to um, kind of not uh, twenty questions, but just kind of <laughs> talk to my talk to whoever we have as a guest. Uh, I dig your accent. Okay. And, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where where yeah. are you? You're not from East Texas. No, where, where are you from? I am originally from Mississippi. Okay. Yeah, from New Albany, Mississippi. Oh, oh, say yeah. that again. New Albany, Mississippi. Oh, that sounds so cool. <laughs> I love that. Um, so what attracted you to doing uh, this type of work when you were young? Was mm-hmm. little Shelby interested in in doing this type of thing? Or yeah. what attracted you to doing uh, uh, counseling mm-hmm. and, uh, and things like that? Yeah, so actually little Shelby, I think I came on here as an intern. And I talked to you how little Shelby wanted to be a professional soccer player. That was the goal. But okay. I, as I got older, um, I always just have talked to people. I've always been curious about kind of why do people do what we do? Yeah. How do we think? How do we tick? Yeah. Um, and it was something that I grew more interested in. And then um, as I got older, um, so I'll kind of – I came out to my parents, and they were not accepting. They took me to a lot of therapists. Some of them were great. Some of them were not. How, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. how, how old were you when you came um, out? I was like 18. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, which helped me because I was an adult, so I could make choices, yeah. right? I could say, okay, I'm not going to do this. 
Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah. Did you specifically come out at that age for that reason? Yes. Okay. I did. Okay. Um, because I did have incidents with my parents where they tried to get the police involved, and I was able to say, I'm an adult, can't yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. um, I had some great therapists and some places where therapy was a safe space for mm-hmm. me, where I could figure out what was going on with me and talk to someone and just feel listened to. So okay. I knew it was something I was interested in as a, as a younger kind of kid. Mm-hmm. But then after that kind of happened, I was like, okay, yeah, this is something I really want to do and be able to offer yeah. other people. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, is there any parting wisdom or advice you want to say yeah. before we wrap things up? Okay, we... so I wanted to go back really quick because yeah. I missed kind of a part I wanted to talk about. Oh, hey, no, that's fine. Okay, okay. That's fine. So you talked about tactics of uh, abusers in the LGBT uh-huh. community. And I mentioned some good things, but I also wanted to mention um, one thing they can do is they can say, like, you know, women can't abuse other women. Um, men can abuse other men, or they might attack identity. So like, for instance, for um, trans people, they might say, well, you're not a real woman. You're not a real man. Um, They might use their dead name um, or refer to them as it. They might use harmful language. Um, But I really wanted to bring that up because sometimes that is a specific part of this community that people face with domestic violence that doesn't really get talked about, is that their identity can be attacked by their own partner. I'm going to have to ask you something yeah. because um, you mentioned a dead name. What? Right. Okay. So a dead name that? for a trans person is like the name they're given at birth. Okay. Um, so let's say someone is born um, typically or with male genitals um, and they're taught and they're raised as a man. But as they get older, they realize that's not how they identify and that's not who okay. they are. So they transition into a female. Well, their dead name would be the name that they were given. Okay. And so when they transition, they might choose another name. Gotcha. Um, so their original name that they mm-hmm. were given that may be on their birth certificate right, or whatever right. is going to be their dead name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I learned yeah. something. Yeah. See, that, and that's why I was like, oh, I really want to go yeah, back no, and address and that, that. No, that's awesome because right. I, I, I've, I've, I've never yeah. – I've heard of, of trans people doing that, as yes. far, like changing their name. Mm-hmm. I didn't know – their previous name, that's what they yeah, called it. It's I didn't usually know that's what referred, it was referred to as a dead name. Okay. And it's something that you don't, okay. you would never call them. Okay. Yeah. But they can face that from yeah. their own partner. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. As part of the abuse. So, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to hit that real fast. Oh, no, 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 no. No, yeah. no, that's cool. All right. Shelby, thanks a lot. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Shelby Stuart. Brown. Uh, one of our counselors uh, at our Nacogdoches office uh, for the Family Crisis Center. Um, and if you feel like you need any of our services, if you feel like you're in a relationship uh, that where you that's abusive, uh, or if you um, uh, has uh, have survived any type of relationship violence, interpersonal violence, and you need our help, we do have a 24-hour a day, seven day a week hotline. Uh, that number is 1-800-828-7233. That's 1-800-828-7233. Also, be sure to subscribe. I can never say that. Be sure to subscribe to Conversations and Connections. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much any podcast service that you choose to uh, partake in. You can look us up there and always be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.